there is something called prayerful preaching and that's what i am trying to do and there is also something called prayerful listening and that is what i expect you to do and i hope you have come with a holy expectations expectation to hear what the lord has to speak to us amen the prophet isaiah in the book of isaiah chapter 40 29 says this about god and prophetically about jesus christ he gives power to the faith faint and to him who has no might he increases strength he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might he increases strength today's sermon is all about that the strength and the power of god when we are powerless as you know these scripture passages are not exactly about the individuals here we have messages to the pastor or the leader of the congregation whom they call the the, the book calls angel of the churches and <clears throat> the message is for a group of people for an establishment it's a message to a corporate body now we move on to a church called philadelphia the risen lord was appeared to john in the island of patmos in all his splendor and glory tells him right to the angel of the church in philadelphia i know let go on to that i know what what is what what do you want to write i know you have but little power you have don't you don't have much power at your disposal that's the first thing jesus acknowledges acknowledges very kindly with a heart of compassion and tells the people the people like us eh, who met in philadelphia around the close of the first century he says now you have very little power you are a weak church you are a powerless church now that is true the church is weak because it was various reasons the main reason is that it was situated in a very powerless rather poor not such a big amazing city the city of philadelphia had lots of disadvantages and the church also had to suffer along with that the city's city, uh, with the city historically the city of philadelphia old philadelphia was a earthquake prone area the ancient historians have recorded that there was not a single day when there was no earthquake in philadelphia that may be a little exaggeration probably every year year after year or once or twice in every year there was an earthquake in philadelphia 
there was no wall of Philadelphia that didn't have any breach. That's what another uh, ancient historian have recorded. So the city was so unstable, it's earthquake prone. Because of that, the tremors shook the city now and then. The people decided, most of the people decided to leave the city and they lived in the open area outside the city in their farms. So inside the city, there was not much life. It was not a very thriving city. The villages around the vineyards, that's the only cultivation that they had, that is where they chose to live. They didn't want the huge rocks to fall on them. It is safe to live outside the house when there is a forecast of earthquake. The bricks won't fall on you. The ceiling won't fall on you. You will not be buried under the concrete debris. And it was two years before this epistle was written. There was another problem that the Philadelphian had to go through. The Emperor Demotion, he had a crazy idea. So he sent an edict all over his empire, practically the whole known world in those days, the Roman Empire, and said wine production should be reduced to half. He put a cap. He said all the vineyards, only half should be cultivated. Why? Because he wanted corn, the grain, food grain, for his soldiers. So he said less wine, more food grain. Philadelphia, the only source of income for Philadelphians was vineyards, grapes, wines. Now with this order, their income was reduced to half. They can cultivate anything in that lava soil. So the city became even poorer. There was a big economic setback two years before John penned this letter, this, this message. Economically, it was very, very weak. Any church existing in an economically shattered city will be naturally weak. I had this experience once I was called to minister in North Kerala. Not all North Kerala is poor. But this was a farming community. And I went there. Most of my life was spent outside Kerala, definitely. I spent more than half of my life ministering outside Kerala. But occasionally I go there. But if I had, I used to go to the, the entire three cities. And so I haven't really... Though grew up in a village, I really didn't know the, the rural reality very well. So I went there and I was shocked. It was an unfamiliar situation for me. There was not many cars and the people dressed very ordinary, modest dressing, very simple talk, simple food. My room was even simpler. But I managed. I really enjoyed it. And why? And I just started reflecting on it. This is a farming community. They didn't have Gulf money and American money. They didn't have anything to show off because they are secluded. So they are actually a poor community. A poor community can only afford a poor church. They cannot afford a keyboard which is 2 lakh. They cannot have a sound system which is every speaker costs 1 lakh or something like that. They had to be very humble. This was the situation of Philadelphians. The people in Philadelphia, their city, they lived in a city, literally shaking city. 
poor city and now going through an economic setback because of this crazy emperor's uh, order that their crop, their agricultural income will be reduced to half. To add to that, add insult to injury. Verse 9 says, the verse 9 says that they were intimidated by the Jewish, Jews who lived in the city, who lived in the, the synagogues, the Jewish religious establishment. They continually harassed them. Verse 9 reads, you know, and then the other passages, they call it the synagogue of Satan. So those who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, you know, you, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. Now these people, not only here in other churches also, in other cities also, the Jews and the Jewish synagogue, the Jewish establishment were also harassing these people. It is a powerless church. What happens in a powerless church? You know, I was trying to understand that. Powerless church is a church where the pastor and even some the people who are actively involved in the life of the church finds that there's a mismatch between their dreams and the resources. That is the, that is the powerlessness. We have godly desires. You know, a few years back when we meet here for Saturday meetings, Saturday prayers, I used to ask everybody, I said once in a while I even now do that, what do you think the church should do? Has God spoken to you anything about it? And people just speak out. You know, we want that, we would like to do the church, do that, we want the church to do this. And glorious things, they said that God has spoken to me and this is what the church should do. That's great. Anyone can dream any dream. But now, then we look at the resources now. We look at the resource. One day, uh, one of the members of this church, maybe four or five years ago, he said, Pastor, I think we should have a retreat center on a hill top and a lawn. And then I added, uh, big huge lawns and rivers and swimming pools and all that. That was my addition. The powerlessness is the point where you realize that you have a dream, you have a vision, but you don't have the resources to really achieve it. You feel weak. Isn't it? That's what powerlessness in a church is. And I pray, I, God gives me godly desires and all those who pray with me in the church, who really stand and dare to See visions, dream dreams, like Prophet Joel said. I praise God for them. We wanted to start core homes. In every, every society, one study group, one person from core, uh, the core church giving leadership to a study group and inviting neighbors and then the word of God spreads through them. It didn't really take place. It took place partially, but it didn't really take off. Why? We don't have committed people to do that. Powerless. We bought drums and keyboard, guitar, bass guitar, this and all that. And imagined for God that there will be a wonderful band. And like Hillsong, 
we will be composing our own songs then happen powerlessness we have dream but we don't have the resources i many times pray when i have to upload my own uh, sound file praise god for easy and what will happen when easy go ezekiel goes when i have to make my own graphics for my sermon when i have to uh, edit my own audio files sermon audio files and up- upload it for the podcast for those who are waiting to hear what's happening here stop no we don't have we managed to pay for a caretaker someone who will sit here from 10 to 5 and cater to those who pass by will walk in and counsel or pray with them even the person who paid betrayed us didn't turn up not only one two did that why powerlessness lack of people of integrity 26 years ago almost 26 years ago i think or is it 30 years now 26 years ago when i was leaving when i was leaving england great britain after my training with my family my <coughs> my pastor and his fam his wife came to visit us to have dinner with us and to pray with us a farewell dinner i was part of the church for 4 years i grew up in that church men the same my children grew up in their sunday school and my wife was part of that i was part of a cell group women's group and i was part of a cell group together we were part of the international friends which is a ministry to the international students in the city which was a university town and he asked me this question also and sheila what you would like to do when we go back so evidently we are going back to seminary there is no question about it but in addition to that what do you want to do so we spoke about our dreams i won't give you the details now the essential of that was the sense of that we said we would like to do a training people pastors we came back we could not do that powerlessness my children said at least one of them said uncle we would like to not to them not to him to me, to, we, to the family uh, prayer meeting or something like that they said we would like to start a toy bank and what is that for the poor children in india we would like to collect toys and give them free didn't happen i told my do- daughter you remember she said i don't have no clue she was only 4 years old i reminded her you had a dream for god you had a dream for god it didn't happen powerlessness when you have big godly desires and dreams for god and when you have do not have the means to deliver it you feel powerless don't you don't be discouraged but how much power do you need how much power this core need not a lot we all that we need brothers and sisters is just little power power to be faithful to the gospel that is entrusted to us that's it not a lot of power there are a lot of churches out there who has lot of power 
Sometimes I preach in churches which has 4,000. I have preached one, uh, three times in a church which has 4,000 people can be seated. And their pulpit or their um, stage is bigger than my church, the whole, the whole thing. Powerful churches. Their car park is, is acres. I know the pastor of a church who is my friend. It is like a stadium. Eleven services. Six lakh people attend their service. And I look at my church. We pray. We have prayed together as well sometimes. And I tell you my church is just smaller than, my church will be smaller than your stage. But how much power do we need? Just enough to hold fast. Two times that is used in this book. 3.8 it says, I know that you have but little power. I know you are a powerless, resourceless church. You are weak, but yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You have kept my word. That is the gospel truth that you once heard. This church have kept that word, the gospel. And you have not denied my name. That's all the power you need. You have that much power. You are powerless. By all means, by all definitions, you are a powerless church. You are intimidated. Once in a while I also get intimidated as a leader of this church. You know, people just try to bully me. And say, ah, this is, what will you do if he that happens? Sometimes I go, I go into a depression. What will, what will happen to me, but to the church if this happens? But my encouragement comes from this voice. I only need that much power as the leader of this church and all of you sitting here that just enough to hold the word of God and be true to it. And verse 310, the same idea repeats. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I'll keep from you, keep you from the hour that is, the hour of trial that is coming. Since you kept my word about patient endurance, you held on to this gospel truth. I will honor you as well. You endured. You did not budge. I used to minister to a church, to a, a network of churches. Every year, they used to invite me. I used to go down a whole day. I used to spend with about 40 pastors and leaders, growing churches, small pl church planting uh, plants. And then no more, I'm no more invited there. Because the leaders decided that what is important is that we should have a regular income. So the whole cluster of churches got affiliated with something outside this country. And they come, they teach, they train, they don't know any reality of rural India. 
an Indian is no more allowed to do that because they could not hold on. In their poverty, in their weakness, and I don't know what this church coming, the team coming every year, funding food and lodging and all that is teaching them. I have no clue. But for them, that doesn't matter. For them, what matters is an annual seminar where every worker is paid a lump sum amount, and that's what for them. They could not endure their weakness. And they exchanged, they swapped their integrity for their, for their support. Brothers and sisters, Corvisby is not a powerful church. But we should hold on to the gospel. This pulpit should never hear anything that brings dishonor. This pulpit should never sing a song that dishonors God, the triune God, the risen Lord. I am reminded of my own experience. When as small children, as a small child, it was my duty to go and buy milk, take milk from the milkman's house. He, in those days, we didn't get milk in packets. We had to go with a container and go to the milkman's house who keeps a buffalo or a cow or whatever it is and then wait him to milk the cow and give us the milk and bring it home. As a six-year-old, it was a big task. Now, now if you ask a six-year-old, I asked, I was used to and take tuition for a, a six-year-old. So in in a city when I was a student to make raise my money for banana the, after the lunch. So one day I had a class on milk. So I asked this this kid, where do we get the milk from? He was born and raised, being raised in a city like this. So he said, uh, from the milkman. So the, the lesson is about cow. So it's a warm-up question. Icebreaker. So as an expert teacher, who uh, was 23 years old then, I asked him, where do we get milk from? So he said, from milk, man. Okay. So he could not reach cow. So I said, now, where do the milkman get the milk from? So he said, from the water tap. <laughs> My God. I said, why? Uncle, one day I saw I was standing on the terrace, the balcony, and I saw the milkman filling milk from that water tap. It's true. Still, we didn't reach anywhere near the buffalo or the cow. <laughs> the truth is that the man brings milk, and every time he measures it out, he, before he reaches the next town, he makes it up with the, from the public water tap. That is what this guy has seen. Anyway, that was just a detour. So I failed. As a teacher, I failed. You ask Anushka or anyone, where do we get milk from? They will say in a packet. Now, in my days, when I was young, it was different. Now, I have seen the milk being, the man milking the cow and all that, and the milk was pure. <clears throat> and anyway, bringing this milk home is a, is a real task. We had to bring it so that we don't, we don't tumble ourselves Hold it, it doesn't spill it. Sometimes it spills, 
So carefully, holding on to it, very, 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 very carefully, we bring it, what is entrusted to us, to the end, to the kitchen. That's what Christian faith is. What is entrusted to us, just like a small kid from the, uh, the milkman's house to his mother's kitchen, carries what is entrusted to him or to her carefully, without spilling, holding on to it. That is what integrity as a church needs. Never compromising what you believe. Still powerful. I'm also speaking to those who are in ministry. Never ever compromise your commitment for the sake of your comfort. Never. All that we need is not the strength, the muscle power, but strength of heart to be passionate about the gospel. To be passionate about the gospel. Now, let me move on to the third part of my sermon. Powerlessness, but, but still having the passion for God. And just keeping that much power to, 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 to be passionate about the gospel that is entrusted to us. Then, that happens. There is immense possibilities. A powerless person, I'm also speaking individually to the hearts of everyone here, not only the corporate reality of the church, but when we realize that we are powerless, but we will, with all the power that is rest, remaining in us, we will hold on to the gospel. Once heard, once interested. Now, there will be problems in our lives. There will be temptations to go back to where you came from. But still passionate about Christ, the one who shed his blood for us. When we are able to do that, when we muster enough courage and when we muster enough strength to hold on to that, then the Lord who is faithful, he opens possibilities, new doors. 3.8 says, I know your works. I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Many people try to Break open doors which are not there, which are not meant for them. That, like the story of the churches, the denomination I just mentioned about, uh, earlier. They try to break open doors and they see that it is, it opens to some difficulties, problems and dangers. But here he says, look, you are powerless. I know that. You are weak. I know that. But I know that you have been faithful, though you have been powerless. But I am going to open a door for you. God has possibilities. Even in our powerlessness, God has tremendous possibilities. Now, is it possible? It is possible. Because this promise is based on the nature of the one who promises. The verse above, verse 3, 7, chapter 3, verse 7. Who is Jesus? Who is saying that I will open a door for you? Who is the one who says? 
the words of the one, the holy one, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Who is speaking here? What is his character? What is his nature? He is the one, he can open anything, he has the key. He will open, when he opens, no one can shut it. And no one has ever opened whatever he shut. Waiting for God in our powerlessness. He opens the ways, the doors, which no one will ever be able to shut. And whatever he shuts, no one can open it also. In the powerlessness, the passion that we keep, in that God says, He will open the doors for us. Okay, we were discouraged when I talked about the powerlessness that we face in court. Wanted to do training, wanted to do enriching other churches and use our resources, your pastor's resources, experience and training for the benefit of other churches. That was a dream. But there was no power. There was no power. In 1991, I started the first size. It was a different name. What happened last Saturday? That training pastors and lay people to excel in their spiritual life and ministry. But I could not continue it. Money. Sponsors. People to support. Moral support. No, I didn't have. So I stopped it after four, for many years. Then one day, I met a few people in Kochi. I became friends over the years. And I told them, I have a dream. I have a dream. But I tried it, but it is not happening. But I didn't. So one of them said, you have a dream? Let's do it. I said, how? He said, let's do it. For three years, size happened, last three years. Didn't have resource. Core didn't have money to pay the travel of the pastors. Core didn't have the money to pay for the campsite. Core didn't have the resources to do that. But every meeting, we had enough. People who love God, they wrote off all the expenses last three years, last four years. Size happened in Kochi three years or four years, if I have to go back to my journal, I think three or four years in the, without any break. Core happened in Bangalore last year very successfully and core happened here last week and we have 300 rupees balance. Surplus. <laughs> that is when God opens the doors, which no one can shut. But the doors that you try to break open will open to disasters. It will be a door wide open to the disasters. And it may probably 
be closed behind you so that you cannot return. I told my pastor when I was leaving England, Sheffield, I told him we would like to train pastors. Not only to, to divide, to share with others the investment that is in my life, in our life. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Few months back, a pastor came to me and said, Sir, we would like to study the Bible. Could you, could you help us? I said, come. Four people turned up in this room. And we started a Bible study. I gave them a survey of the whole thing. An overture of the whole Bible. And they were excited. And they said, we should continue it. I said, where should we start? Why don't we start in the first book? So I said, okay, fine. So we started there in Genesis. And we are now in chapter 12. Every day we may study 10, 10 or 15 verses or a passage. Now, after that, it went on and on for I think 3 or 4 months now. Three months? Or more than three months? Yeah, maybe four months now. People were interested. And some people from uh, Chandigarh wanted to join. Some people from Kanpur wanted to join. We had no way. Finally, we had, God provided us this idea of telecasting, webcasting it live. So now, if I remember correctly, five or six locations we, we, we telecast, we webcast this Bible study from this location, from these chairs, and it reaches five or six locations, including Dallas, Texas, where people have to keep awake till 1.45 at night, and they are willing to do that. A door which God opens, nobody can shut. Last week we ran into a problem. Because our subscription on Zoom, the, the software, ended suddenly in the middle of the service, middle of the class. We could not, we needed money to renew it. Money in dollars, we renew it. And we could not get it done immediately. And then, the one who opens the doors that no one can shut, made the provision. One person said, you use my account free. So that's now open. Within 15 minutes, we re-established the connection and we continued the study till 12.30. Why? The one who opens says no one can shut. And when he shuts, no one can open. When you are in the hands of that God, there are immense possibilities with the life of the church and every individual as well. Powerlessness, but be passionate in powerlessness. When we are power, passionate, though we are powerless, there is divine possibilities. And then, these divine possibilities also comes with divine promises. To this little church, intimidated church, the risen Lord promises them, look, I will protect you. Verse 3, verse 3.10, he says, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, 
you have suffered for me and you have been passionate for passionate for me i will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on earth now there is coming a big persecution big opposition whether it is just a political persecution we don't know but god says now i will spare you don't worry see i will not test your strength anymore you are weak i will not test your strength because you had little strength but you have been faithful with that strength that you had you been passionate with that power that you had so i will spare you from that problem that is coming second promise i will give you victory verse 3 chapter 3 verse 9 behold i will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that i have loved you no all those who oppose us now all those who try to intimidate now god says they will come bowing before down before you and i will prove that i will i love you this opponents the people who are opposing you persecuting you one day is coming because you are powerless because you are weak they are taking advantage of you but remember one day they will come bowing before you down before you to and i will prove that i love you that i love you i heard this story and i have reasons to believe that it is true this about a great man called uh, pastor mk chako i think his name is mk chako in new delhi mk chako i never seen him but i have stayed in his church one night and i ministered in the church after he died this great great man is a man of integrity when mrs gandhi declared emergency he went to the streets of delhi and said this is not from god and he opposed it openly preached against it and duly he was arrested and put in jail i don't know how many days he was in jail probably maybe a few days or a few weeks for preaching against mrs gandhi's emergency a gospel preacher a pioneering missionary he was shut he was behind the bars for no crime but he spoke for righteousness he spoke to the power truth to the power he spoke truth to the power now emergency was over by the time he was already free because it was not a very serious thing it was a harmless animal a creature so they left him go maybe and sanjay gandhi had a horrible death you know the story her second son died in a aerobatic exercise and she was drowned in deep sorrow and pastor chako like every year he does he has a fasting prayer in some public ground in new delhi i forgot the name i have preached in that ground many years after i forgot the name of the ground and one day he had a visitor in when he had this fasting prayer was going on every evening he will gather people will gather they will come for blessings and comfort he preaches the gospel one 
lady came, covered her head, dressed in white, and sat there quietly for many hours. And that was former Prime Minister Mrs. Gandhi. That is how, when you have enough power to speak truth to the powers, that promise, put, don't take it away from the screen. They will come bowing down before you to prove that I love you. Verse 10, I was talking, verse, uh, asking for three, verse 3, 9. To prove that I love you. See the powerlessness, but the passion that is maintained in powerlessness. And when that happens, the possibilities that God opens, and where does these possibilities lead you? Lead me and the church I lead to God's victory. Not only to God's victory, the climax is to the power of God. That's my final point. The power of God is, is verse 12. To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will be a pillar in the temple of my God. In Revelation, there is not going to be a physical temple. Chapter 22 makes it very clear. There will be no physical temple. There will be no building. But there will be the presence of God in the new Jerusalem. And he says that those who conquer, in though they are powerless, Though they are weak, they will be the pillar in the New Jerusalem. And the name will be etched on that. You can you imagine a pillar here which carries sacred world or the name of the place which supports the whole thing and he will not be moved. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. He will have a permanent residence there. He will not be shaken. There will be no earthquakes that shakes. No tremors. In spite of the tremors, he will be there. And I will write on him, the pillar, the name of my God. He will be carrying the name of God, the eternal. The name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem which come down from my God out of heaven. We can read about that in chapter 22. And my own new name. That is where powerlessness states us. The powerless city because of earth tremors, earthquakes, will become the church in that weak city. Unstable, shaky city will become the most stablest in the presence of God. Praise be to God. Brothers and sisters, I want to conclude here. And those of you who are very much part of this ministry here, the church here, own it up and consider that God has called you and planted you in this church. There are many who are not. I know that. I'm speaking to those people. Realize, see, we need the power and the grace to see him who opens and no one can shut, who shuts and no one can open.
has a plan for us this little church it is not in our strength that power is not in our budget that is not in our brains power it is purely sheer power of god who is much 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 powerful than us who loves us pray for me as well because many times i am the one who stands in the front line the brand i have to take all the brand the insults doesn't come to you it comes first to me then only if there is anything left it comes to you would you please stand with your leader your pastor to have wisdom and the strength and the vision that i preached about now i need grace to submit myself and to be motivated by this my own sermon in times of trial in times of problems praise be to god will you raise your hands and praise god thank you god bless you